Welcome to the Inner Huddle Extra Time. Hello and welcome along to another edition of the Inner Huddle Extra Time. I'm Pez and I'm in my little podcast studio at home and I am joined this week with my friend of mine and special guest, former Premier League and Republic of Ireland player, Andy Reid. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well, thanks, mate. I'm very well. How about yourself? You keeping well? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Very busy. Unfortunately, um, I haven't been able to get any sort of grants or anything with my business and my coaching. Um, so I've just been cracking on and doing live sessions and challenges and one-to-one sessions via Zoom like this. So I've never been busier, but it's uh, it's um, it's been good for me, I think, to be busy during this time because it can, uh, can mess with your head a little bit, can't it? Yeah, no, definitely can. And uh, listen, I, I think when, when from a coaching perspective, and I suppose from a personal perspective as well, when this all kind of kicked off, what I said to myself was, right, how can I, by the time that this is finished, be a better coach? Okay, it's going to look a little bit differently because you're not out on the uh, out on the training pitch. So uh, the training, the, the the pitch sessions and stuff like that, you kind of need to feel your way back into. But the other bits and pieces, there's loads of other ways that you can get better. And you know, so webinars have been brilliant. I've been on some great webinars. I've, I've, I've spoken to some brilliant people. Um, I've tried to improve my presentation skills. So you know, I've been doing quite a bit of work on the computer, doing uh, keynote presentations, putting together presentations, and and it's just a. I think what we found in, in in this period is just a different way to interact. So when we do get back to some sort of normality, you know, all these Zoom things and, and, and all the other bits that we've learned that we, as we've gone along, they will all be an extra tool for us that we will be able to use moving forward that, you know, that um, hopefully kind of make you better because you, you have to co- constantly try and expand your mind, constantly trying to be a little bit better, just a little bit better at this, a little bit better at that. And all them little bits, then they all kind of add up. And, and I think that, that was my kind of main goal at the start of the, of the lockdown. And I'm, I'm quite pleased to say that, that it's probably, um, it's been the case. And also what I've managed to do is I've managed to get all my um, pro license work finished off and handed in, and that's all being, evalu- being evaluated. And next week I have my me inter- uh, me exit interview for my pro license and then, you know, be a pro license coach, which... You know, I'm very, very proud of it. It's a, you know, it's a massive thing. It's not easy. Um, there's a lot of different skills that you need to kind of learn and you need to get better with um, as you move through along it. And it kind of gives you a different perspective on it. So to be able to achieve that, um, I'm, I'm really, really pleased with it. Fantastic group that we were in our pro license with as well, which was brilliant. We had like a really, really top-end group, you know, people like Damien Duff and Robbie Keane, Keith Andrews. Um, people like that. So we we, we were all uh, we were all in together, and I, I you know I knew them. Paddy McCarthy, another lad, I, uh, you know Paddy, um, yeah. that is in our pro license group as well. Um, so it, it was brilliant. So you, you try to say you had a bit of banter as well alongside it, is what you're trying. Yeah, to say. Well, yeah. Social <laughs> side of it was quite good as well. Now I have to say, but um, but definitely loads of learning. You know, I mean, some of the. Some of the speakers that we had were fantastic. And we went on a study visit over to UEFA, which was massive. It was brilliant, really good. You've got four of the countries. So there was ourselves, uh, Denmark, Cyprus and Slovakia. And they kind of all come together. And there's lots going on. There's all different kind of lectures and stuff like that. And, um, and then there's pitch session and the pitch sessions. Um, 
somebody's mic'd up uh, and you have to kind of do it and everybody's got earphones on so everybody can hear and you can go out and do the session. It's a real, real kind of challenge um, for the group as a whole. Um, and, you, you know, you, it gets quite competitive then as well, you know, so, right, well, who's going to do the best presentations? Who's going to do the best, best, best um, pitch session? And, and I have to say, with the, with the group that we've got, you know, I, I think that we blew them out. We blew everybody out of the water. The quality was fantastic. But I'm not really surprised in some respects because with the FEI, um, we've got a fantastic coach education department, which is, you know, which is really, really good. And um, the, the courses are excellent. The speakers that we've got are excellent. So it's, it's, it's a really good place to learn. Brilliant. Right. I should say... This is our 10,000 download celebration edition. So the podcast has been going for a little while now. We've managed to get 10,000 downloads. And um, I wanted to get a special guest on to celebrate that. And uh, me mate, Reedy, couldn't think of anyone better, obviously. I mean, Greg uh, Alford wasn't available. So I thought Reedy will have to do. Oh, I'm <laughs> to take it too far. No, you know what, boy, you'll be very, very proud of it, you know, building that business up from nothing at all. I mean, I remember the conversations that me and you had. I think I was up in Durham at the time and you came up to see me and the conversations that we had about getting started when you were trying to get away from the other bit and kind of go out on your own. So what you've achieved and what you've built up, what you've built it up to, mate, is um, it's absolutely fantastic. You should be very, very proud of it. Cheers, mate. And um, obviously you've been there with some of the best moments in my life, both within football and without football as well so it was kind of fitting to get you on so I'm delighted now the format for these shows as you know because you have been on before um, when you came down to visit but we have some questions here from myself and some sent in from elsewhere and this time in particular I've asked some of the the children from Pezzas to uh to contribute as well so it's going to kind of go one from me one from a kid one from me so that we make sure that I get some of the kids in and give them a give them a mention I, I, I was I, I, I always think it's good to, to you know, where uh, kids, they, they always ask really kind of honest questions, you know what I mean? Where they kind of, it, it coming from a real kind of, um, you know, a, a real young kind of outlook on it. and it, So it's always good to, to hear the question. So as long as there's no hard ones in it. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. There shouldn't be anything, uh, anything too taxing. But I wanted it to be a bit more, you know, away from what's going on in the world at the moment because I think a lot of people have been talking about that and uh, wanted to give something that was a bit maybe a bit of fun for the kids as well and that people could look back on later and it would be relevant then as well as now if that makes sense um, yeah. but we'll, we'll obviously touch on both so we'll go in with question number one I've got them written down I don't like it to be too scripted but it's a good starting point but, um, question number one I often talk about football being about special moments and I tell the children and parents not to focus on winning things and getting scouted, but to enjoy the journey. And then likewise, at professional level, you don't need to have won lots of things to have had a good career and even an enjoyable one. So what special moments along the way stick out for you? That can be your career, your youth level. It can be yeah. very personal or as a group. Yeah, I, I, t I think, you know, so I think if, you, if you're talking about football kind of perspective on it, um, I'm walking my way up. Um, when we won the Under-16 European Championships with Ireland, it was a really, really special moment. And kind of at the time, you, you, 
I think you're thinking, oh, they'll listen, there'll be loads more things. We'll, we'll win loads more things and we'll do that. And, and you're right in what you say. It's not, you don't necessarily have to win a load of things. But for me, um, it, the, the journey that we went on with that under-16s group was such a close group, you know. So, like, I mean, we had a reunion a couple of years ago and it was brilliant to see everybody and we still keep in touch. And, and you just got the sense that you were in the kind of in the middle of, of something really kind of special. And, and looking back on it now, it probably seems even more special than than what it was. I think what, that was in 98, I think it was. So um, a fair time ago now, you know, and everybody's still in touch and, and it's great. So that was really, really special and something that, um, that, that I won't forget. Um, I, I think that's something that I try and get across to the kids to enjoy the moment. Yeah. Enjoy playing with your friends. Enjoy where well, you're at. This is the thing, Pez, right? It's not, you say, we, we just happen to kind of go on and win something and achieve something. But the actual process of it is, is what, was the, what was the enjoyable bit. Getting to know them, getting to experience things with them, you know, um, you know, going through tough times. You know, you're going away, you win a tournament. And, and when we went all the way to the tournament, we ended up being away for nearly four weeks, I think it was. Um, and, and you experience them tough times, you know. We had sing songs, and, and, and I know you can't do things like that now. But Brian Kerr was the manager, um, Noel O'Reilly was the assistant manager, God rest him, a uh, fantastic bloke. Noel used to play the guitar, he'd bring, we'd sit down, we'd have a sing song. And the other teams would kind of, you know, look back and whether we won or whether we lost, we'd always kind of get together and we'd have a little bit of a, a, bit of a sing song. And teams would be kind of walking past, going, uh, you know, and I know this because I spoke to, um, people afterwards like people who played for Scotland and they were staying in the same hotels and they, and they said you guys just always look so together you know and, and then that transfers onto the pitch then and, and things are different now and, and I'm not saying that that would be the right thing to do now but um, you know when you when you look across when you're on a football pitch and you look across and you look across and you see who's there beside you or you're in the tunnel and you're lining up and you have a look at all your, your teammates and you think yeah you know what well, he's got my back um, and I've got his back and uh, it's a real nice feeling to go out on a pitch knowing that you're a proper team and that kind of everything's kind of coming together because it doesn't happen that much in football and I, ha- I had it very early on with, with, uh, with, with Ireland and then I had it as well at Forest when Paul Hart was the manager we had a great team there a lot of us came up through the U team together a couple that with a few of the experienced lads who, inter- who, who helped us integrate brilliantly well and you create something special. So by the age of kind of 21 or 22, I had loads of, um, I, I had experienced two um, really kind of special teams. Uh, and you think, oh yeah, this is going to be like this everywhere I go, but it's not. You know, and, and, and I think we experienced that probably at Charlton, you know, when, 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 you know, everybody's not pulling in the same direction, things then become really, really difficult. So um, I was lucky enough to experience a couple of things like that. And going back to the special moments, I think, um, the two debuts, when I made my debut for Forest, um, making my, my debut at the City Ground, I think it was a Tuesday night game. We played against Sheffield United. There's a special moment for me um, in them night games, um, uh, in the winter night games, um, when you get into the ground, right, and it's kind of, it's quite uh, for the evening games. It's it's just getting dark, or it's or it is actually already dark, and you come over Trent Bridge and you. You, you, you look up and the floodlights are on and you see the trend then and it's got a big forest crest on the side of it coming over the river and you can see the fog. It's just it's just like it gives you tingles, you know. 
So doing that the night of my debut was brilliant. And I managed to score on my debut. We won 2-0. Um, and it was just, you know, just a really, really kind of special, special feeling, really, really special time. Uh, and and like that too, I think they're them, t- them special moments that really, really stick with you, you know. Um, and, and as well as that, making my, making my, my debut for Ireland as well, was it was massive. Like, you're lining up for the national anthem. You're, um, you're looking into the stands. You can see your family. They're all there. You know you know how proud to make you. You know, you, you can kind of get the sense of the atmosphere. And, and we played Canada on my debut and we, we, we beat them 3-0. Beat them um, had, had a decent game, got man of the match. And, um, and again, just another really special moment. You know, you're kind of representing your country at senior international level and it just means, it means everything to yourself and to your family. And, um, and, and they're just memories that you kind of cherish and um, no matter what happens, you can have, people can have big houses, people can have big cars, they can kind of do what they want, they can, but nobody can ever take uh, that um, memory and that feeling um, of lining up for the national anthem for your country went and then and then going into playing the game. Nobody can ever take it away from you. And it's something that I'm very, very proud of, you know. And and, and I I think everybody should be uh, I don't um I don't I think at times people are probably a little bit too flippant about um their achievements as in, you know, making a force team debut or making an international debut, it's it's a really important thing, you know, and it should be something that fills you with pride. Absolutely. Yeah these um like you say, these special moments that you can keep with you forever, you don't necessarily realise they're that special at the time, or maybe you do with some of them, but like you say, you think you're going to have so many more of them as you go along and then someday it comes to an end and then that's what you've got to look back on. And like I yeah. say, it doesn't necessarily have to be winning big things or anything like that. It can be those little things, making your debut, um, yeah, no, it does being I your think, family. I think it's very, very important though, um, Pez, um, uh, is living in the moment, and and it's a it's a good point that you make. You know, there's too many people. They kind of some of them live in the past, and they're like, oh, you know, you know, yeah. You want to take you you want to try and harness that and try and improve on it moving forward. But um, you got to live in the here and now. You know, right? How can I affect things now? You know, and then you look back on, and, and then if you affect things now, then you can look back on them then with with, with pride. You know. And then you get other people down and they're thinking, right, well, okay, I'll do it in, in, in four months. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do something in four months. No, just do it now. You know, I know you don't, don't always get the opportunity to do it now, but you need to be kind of trying to walk towards it and grab every moment. And, and, and be, listen, being a footballer, and it, it's it's very, very short career. And I know people hear people say it, and it, it seems to be something that people just say, but you blink and it goes. You know, it really, really does. And, and you take like I mean, I I, I think at the time when you you when you get to thirty, you kind of you're like oh, I'm getting old now, you know. And before that, you think you're invincible and your career is going to go on forever, but it doesn't. Um, and it goes really, really quickly. Um, and, and I say that to young players now, you know, when I'm coaching them, the, the Ireland's 18s and Forest 23s, when I'm coaching them, of people ring me and ask me for a little bit of advice. I'm just like. Don't waste a second, you know. Don't waste a second because um, 
you, once you're retired, you're retired, you're gone, and there's no, there's no point of coming back. And football are the best days. And I love coaching, you know, coaching's brilliant. And I get a real buzz out of it now, and I'm getting better at it all the time. Um, but nothing beats playing, you know, and, and I kind of say that to them, you know, grab this opportunity that you've got because it's, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a great life. It's a great life. And I don't mean for um, material things. That's not what I mean at all. I mean, like going into, going into train every single day, going out on the football pitch uh, with, with your mates and playing football um, being fit, being healthy, um, you know, having all these things. like it's it's like f- this is why we love football, don't we? You know, we, we like we love football, and, and you know, people say to me, "Oh, what do you miss most about playing?" And, and I hear loads of people they say, "Oh, I miss the the banter in the dressing room with the lads and all that." And listen, I, I loved all that. That was all great. But what I miss is what I miss is going out onto the training pitch and playing, going out onto the training pitch and kind of and then and then preparing for a game on a Saturday and then pitting yourself against somebody else. And, and kind of thinking, I wonder if I'm going to do that thing today or how can I do that thing today that's going to be a little bit special, that's going to stand out, that's going to be, it's going to help us get a win. How can I affect this game? They were all them challenges that I loved, you know, and that I, you know, every game that I went out and talked to myself, like, how can I affect this game in a positive way? Uh, and, and that's the thing that I miss most about football. Not, you know, um, self-determination that you had though which is quite a buzzword in coaching isn't it now self-determination and and some have it more than others yeah yeah listen it's it's a difficult one because you know there's a lot going around about kind of mental health and being mentally strong and stuff like that but there's no way that you can get away with it. If you, you need to be a mentally strong person if you're going to be successful at football. You, ha- you have to be. And, um, and, and, that's, and, and you know, and, and I, you know I, I've had tough times, especially since I've retired, you know, in the early parts. And then um, and I lost my parents, as you know. And, and, you know, you go through tough times and it's really, really difficult. But you have to find that strength from somewhere to be able to kind of deal with these things, you know, because it's no football is not really a place for 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 weak-minded people, you know, it's not, and and, and I'm not saying that it's not okay to be not okay because if pe- people are struggling, they need to get help, and you know, and, and I'm fully aware of that, and I help people, and I've had help myself. But to be successful, to go out there, you have to have that strong mentality where you think, you know what. I can affect this game. I can get the better of that person that I'm playing against here today. I can galvanise my teammates. I can help my mate through if he's going through a tough time as well. And, uh, you know, you need it. It has to be there. And if it's not, then you have to learn how to to cope with that. So coping strategies and knowing where to get help and want to get help to improve. Because it is something you can improve by being aware of it and, and knowing where to go to get support and help. To be mentally yeah. mentally strong. Yeah, the the, the the main point that you've made there, um, and uh, I think it's the it's it's the most important part of all. You have to be aware of it because if you don't know that you're struggling, then you can't go and get help because you don't know. Uh, I worked with a um, with a fantastic sports psychologist um, in, in very young in my career through the U team and into the force team as well called Keith Mincher, and he used to say to me, "If you don't know, you don't know." And I used to struggle with my moods when I was younger and I you know, had a homesickness and I used to find myself in a bad mood quite a bit. And I've done some work with Keith and it was really, really interesting stuff. Um, 
So he would kind of say to me, right, well, you need to catch yourself and find what mood you're in. So if you wake up in the morning and you think, right, catch yourself, what mood am I in? Oh, I'm not really in a good mood today. Then you've got the choice then and you can change it. But if you don't know that you're in a bad mood and you're not aware of it, then you've got no way that you can change it and you will just go around in a bad mood all day. Um, now, what he said to me is that you don't always have to be in a good mood. Doesn't Life doesn't work like that. Sometimes you can choose, oh, you know what, I just want to have... I just want to have a little bit of a moment here, you know what I mean? And now I want to feel a little bit sorry for myself. Take a deep breath, bang, you go again. Right, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to take on the world again. And that's how he kind of put it across to me. And I think that's a very valuable lesson for young players, you know, and for, for young people, not just young players, not even young, not old, for everybody really, you know. Be aware of be aware of your of, of, of what's not quite right. The, the, the trouble with football is it's, it's quite contradictory because you're told on one hand or made to feel invincible and believe in yourself and you're fit and you're healthy physically and you know all of those things that come on one hand and then if you're kind of struggling mentally on the other hand it's quite difficult to concede to yourself that you might be struggling because you're this supreme athlete and you, perhaps you feel you shouldn't feel that way so there's a bit of a battle going on well well listen the only, what, what I will say is that you know it happens to everybody in football. You know, you talk about confidence, and uh, you know, confidence is when is when you when things just happen really naturally for you. You start to be less confident when you have to think about things. If you have to think about things, then it's probably not um, it's probably not flowing properly for you. You know what I mean? If you think about it, if it's happening naturally, then you're confident, and it's just it's just all going really well, um, and. You need to be like that to be able to perform at the top level. So you have to, like what you say, you have to find a way to get yourself into that mental state to be able to perform at the top level. Now that way looks differently for uh, looks different for different people. You know, I I can get myself going and I can get myself mentally prepared for, say, for instance, if I'm going for a run. Um, like I went for a run this morning. Okay. So I prepare myself mentally in a different way than what you prepare yourself in if you're going in. And my way is not right and your way is not right. My way just works for me and your way works for you. So you have to find that way of getting yourself um, into that right state. I I love the Michael Jordan one. I don't know if you watched The Last Dance, but when he... uh... He came off and he, he told everyone that one of the players had said something like, good game, Mike, or something like that when he'd lost. And uh, he used it as motivation to go out and hammer him in the next game and have one of his best games. And then he admitted afterwards that, that the lad had never even said that to him. But he'd said it just to fire himself up to go out there. So he found a way because he couldn't handle that. You know, yeah, and, and, and I, think, I think good managers as well. I mean, you know, some of the best managers that I played under who are the best, for, you know, as in getting the best out of me, um, knew how to kind of push my buttons, you know. Especially when I was when I was younger, Paul Hart was brilliant at it. He knew that I had this mentality where I wanted to just prove people wrong. So if somebody used to say to me, "Well, you can't do that," so Paul Hart would say to me, "Oh, well, listen, you're not able to do this. You're not able to do that. You're not getting enough crosses in. You're not doing this." And I'd be like, "What? Mm-hmm. I'll show you." And I'd go out and do it. And Paul Hart used that, and I've spoken to him about it since. And Brian Kerr would have been a kind of similar in some respects, um, is in that he kind of knew how to kind of get the best out of, out of you, you know, he knew how to, how to kind of just, just roil you up a little bit, just to kind of give you enough to go out on the pitch and, and, and prove them wrong. And, uh, and, and, and 
now listen, that was my way of of what I wanted to do because millions of different ways. Some people, you know, we speak about it all the time. Some people need an arm around the shoulder and told how good they are. You know, uh, you know, listen, you're the best player on the pitch. Best player on the pitch. You need to just go out there and show us and they're like, best player on the pitch, yeah, I'll go and do it. And and that's where um I think that's where understanding um understanding your players as a coach is, is massively important. It's why you need to kind of build relationships with them because you need to understand what makes them tick. Do you, um, uh, getting off a little bit of the subject, but do you think that managers aren't given that time now to build those relationships? So if you're only in the job of is it six months average or something, then building up those relationships to find how to get the best out of players, it's, it's not going to be an instant thing. So it's, um, it's a really difficult one in the sort of modern era of football. Yeah, it is, and 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 you know, and that leads on to kind of other aspects of, of of where it becomes difficult as well. And you know, the area that I'm in at the moment in football is youth development. Now, the fact that uh, managers, um, uh, that their, their, their lifespan is 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 in in the job um, is is very short, um, poses problems to youth development. You know, and I've seen it so many times that. A manager comes in and he thinks to himself, I've probably only got six months to a year here. I only need to kind of really, really be at it. So uh, do I want to risk playing an 18-year-old who I'm not too sure is ready because I need to maximise my time here? Whereas if he knew that he had three years, um, now I understand football is all about results and, and, and it is, and especially at first-team level. But, you know, there's some players who, who I think are good enough and they just need to be given the opportunity. Um but the manager's thinking to himself, if the manager had three years, he'd be saying, right, well, I can bring him in. I can start to integrate him into my first team squad here. I can kind of put him up for 20 minutes. I can start him a game or two games, and then I can take him out. And I can send him back to play a couple of 23s games. But he's still firmly in my thoughts because he knows he has that longer time to be able to try and develop it. And, uh, and that's where you thats where you get the best um, the best results from youth development. If you, you know, I suppose probably the best example is... Um, is is Man United. Alex Ferguson was at a stage where he felt really, really comfortable and he knew that he was going to have longer time to be able to kind of breathe these in. Now, uh, I'm not too sure what the academy was like, but you know, when Alex Ferguson came into Man United first, he wasn't flooding the um, the first team with, with, with young players. He was needing to get results that he could and he was using people who were tried and tested because he needed to get them results. And And, and then... He was able to implement them things in, in, into into his club, and um, probably getting the right people in, getting the players with the right mentality, and then after then you, you get a golden generation coming through, and to have that security then is 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 um, is a massive part of that, you know. And you start integrating, and then and then all of a sudden then you can bring in six or seven because you bred them through with the right mentality, and they know what the club is all about. They've got Manchester United running through their veins, um, and they go out on the pitch immensely talented players you know some some of the best 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 of all time uh you know you're looking at your skulls you're looking at your gigs um you know phenomenal players that that, that, that kind of came through there um and 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 they've got that connection to man united as well you know which which massively helps and i think that's another uh, great indication of uh, it's a great um advantage of bringing young players through is that they have uh, they have a real affinity for the club, but to have that security is the key. Right, I better move on to question two, <laughs> as uh, otherwise we're not going to get in some of these ones from the kids, and they'll be disappointed. So, 
we'll throw one in from young Archie Harkin here. He's a great little lad. He's, uh, he's, he's at my Pezzers Academy and I coach him at Southampton Pre-Academy Development Centre as well. And he's asked, when did you start playing football and when did you know you wanted to be a professional? Uh, well, listen, my dad played um, semi-pro football and uh, my dad was a good player. He probably could have played um, professional um, but uh, other things got in the way. So there was always football in our house. It was a real football house. We, we, we were brought up in a real football family. Um, so we were so we would have been brought up watching football in the house. There would always been a football there. We would have gone to watch my dad playing on a Sunday morning. Um, so football was just in us all the time, you know. And so I was probably, I was, I can't really remember. I'm told that from kind of when I was four or five or maybe a bit younger, I was, or, you know, I was playing football all the time. Where, when did I think that, I think that, when did I think I wanted to be a professional footballer? When, when I went over on my first trial that I went over to a club, I went over to Arsenal. I was playing for Cherry Orchard over in Ireland. I went over to Arsenal on trial. And um, kind of looked around and thought, you know what, I, I, I like this thing. You know, I, I think I, I, I would love to be a footballer, you know. And, that, and from, I think I believe that it could be from probably the first time I went over on a, uh, on a trial. Brilliant. Okay, question number three here. Um, one from me, obviously, as you'll gather from the, uh, from the first line. I'd like to talk to you a bit about street football. Um, I read an Irish article about how important and popular street football was in Dublin with different streets playing against each other. Even Conor McGregor has talked about it in the past. Um, modern buzz terms like biobanding, self-determination learning, constraints leg coaching and ball contact time, to name but a few, were all found, I think, in those games naturally. Um, do you think the lack of those games now has had an impact, not just in Ireland? Um, and how do you think... We can recreate that environment, or should we recreate that environment somewhere? Which I know is quite a big topic and quite a big. Yeah, no, no, it is, but it, but it's also very, it's also a very important one as well. And I, I've, I've got a real affinity to street football, and um, you know, when we were younger, we were always out in the street and um, playing against whoever we get a, a, a game together for our street. And like what you said, we play against the team from around the corner, um, and then another kind of. Aspect of street football. There was always there was, there was um, my dad used to play in, in five or so tournaments. Um, would have been in the late eighties, um, late eighties, early nineties, and they were massive um, in Dublin. Those tournaments they go on all over Dublin, um, really, really working class areas, um, uh, and you'd get six, seven hundred people. Uh, 800 people come to watch these games you know and, and they were in big sometimes they were in big flat complexes and my, my, my mum was from flats and my dad's was, my dad was from flats and see the people hanging out the windows watching the games you know they were massive like so important um, and, and like that too it was all um, ball manipulation um, uh, there was tricks in there there was great goals there high was, spaces having to get your head up yeah, they were so competitive as well, you know. They were so competitive, so they they gave that competitive edge, and um, and they were brilliant. And and they have faded out. And 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 like you know, if, if I go out now onto my street and I walk down the street, how many how many kids will I see playing football on the street? I probably won't see any. They're playing in the back garden or they're out on play dates. And now, does I? I don't know. Maybe I'm looking back with rose-tinted glasses, but things seemed to be a little, a lot safer back then. 
would I want my kid to be out playing on the street now? Probably not. But when I was Oscar's age, my Oscar's eight now, I was out on the street playing, you know, and, and it's a different world now. And, you know, and I understand that and you have to be, you have to be safe, but we have to find ways to kind of recreate these things. And, 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 and I see them five-a-side tournaments and stuff like that um, as, as a real big um, way that you kind of can do that to help with the ta- technical aspects of the game, the ball manipulation. And that's why I do like the futsal. Um, uh, I think it's brilliant. Uh, Oscar's in, in Forest's Academy. He's just signed for the under-9s for next season. They do futsal once, once, a, week, once a month um, as part of the programme. Um, and it's it's uh, it's and it's really really good, you know. I think it's brilliant for them. So I think that's the way we need to bring it back in because we need to realise that um, it's not the same world as it was twenty years ago. So we have to find different ways to get these outcomes. We have to become creative. Um, how can we get these kids playing? We're not going to get kids playing on the street because, as we said, it's no. different. Well, how can we get them playing the equivalent of street football again? Yeah. Um, and, to get all those magic things out of it yeah. that, you know, that those little yeah. things you can possibly only get in that environment. I mean, I look at a kid now and he goes to an academy and every single training session that they're part of is filmed and then analysed. And I think, well, how how's that going to help his creativity when he thinks, well, I'm just going to pass it five yards to them because that's a 100% stat on a pass rather than trying something, you know, and it... Football can be a little bit overcoached. I mean, you know the reasons why. Yeah. No, uh, football, it, it really can. And and um, I mean, I I've watched I watched obviously loads of it from the pre academy last year and and into the um, uh, forest and and then into um, into the under nines now this season. Uh, this, it'll be this season coming, and and the coaches are really really good um, that work in in the pre academy and in the, fa- uh, the foundation phase. Um, and they want them to express themselves. You know, they're constantly saying that to them. Come on, show me something. You know, what can you do? They want them to feel relaxed. And I think it's great because they, they, this is their real formative years. Um, if, if, I, if, if, I, if I'm coaching now, if I'm coaching an eight-year-old or seven-year-old and I'm telling him how to pass the ball, you need to pass the ball with this part of your foot. You need to control the ball with this part of your foot. He might be really, really good with a different part of his foot. He might be really good at passing the ball or controlling the ball with the outside of his foot to give himself a little bit more space or to put more distance between him and the, uh, say if he's a striker, between him and the, 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 the centre-back. But if I don't encourage him to do that, he's never going to get better at that. Yeah. If I'm telling him, right, you have to control the ball with the inside of your foot every single time, then he's going to do that. And we might not then see, actually, what's he really, really good at? How can we... Uh, exploit what he's really, really good at. How can we make the best use? And how can we find out what he's really, really good at? The only way you can find out is by trying things. Yeah, it's um, you're kind of if you're always telling someone what to do, you're putting a ceiling on where they can go. You're you're stifling their natural talent and no way their creativity, pairs. Yeah. You're taking away their cre- their natural creativity. Now. Don't get me wrong, if somebody keeps trying something and it's not working for yeah. them, then you know you need to be come in, you need to be like, well, hang on a second, right? Let's find something that is working for you here. But you know, find out what they are good at. You know, is he good at is he good at a little ding finish? Yeah, we'll encourage him when the keeper comes out. Can he just think over him as the keeper's flying out? Uh, is he good at whipping the ball? Yeah, okay, let's try and um 
really work on his strengths so we can we, we he can get whip in it um, and, and we can get that out and then we can we work on some of the things that he's not so strong at to try and improve them as well so he becomes kind of a better all-round player. Well, I think that's what coaching is now is more for the young ones is, is creating environments where these things can come out in the children rather than maybe when I was young, it was, this is how you do this. Yeah. Now it's creating environments so the kids can find out for themselves with a bit of guidance, like you say, um, like in a, in a more of a, a natural way. So it's more about environments. I mean, I always say children need a blank canvas to paint on. If you're giving them dot to dots and paint by numbers, then they might produce something early on that, you know, good enough for the fridge, but they need to experiment and doodle and, you know, well, parts and... Especially, I think, especially from um, pre-academy and into the F, uh, the, the FDP, um, I, 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 I think that that's where you need to give them. Um, you need to kind of really just step back and and let them kind of go on with it. Now, when they start, when they start to get into the kind of the youth development phase, and then towards the professional phase, um, or, or or that age at, at the relevant level. Um, then, you know, they should be starting to really figure out, well, hang on a second, am I good at stepovers here? Yeah, I'm good at stepovers. Okay, let me do a stepover. Am I not good at stepovers? Am I good at getting half a yard? Like, I mean, i never done a stepover in a game. Uh, I don't think i ever done a stepover in a game because it wasn't what, wasn't what I'd done. But what I could do, I could get half a yard and I could put a ball wherever I wanted to put it because I just needed that half yard. Now, I had to get to a stage where I knew that I was good at that. If I if you know, if I'm kind of still trying stepovers when I'm 22 and falling over the ball and they're not walking for me, then that that wouldn't be good, you know. So um, finding out what you're good at and understanding what you're good at then when you start to get to that youth development phase yeah. uh, is, is is massively important, and that's where coaches can be really really helpful, you know, because kids don't know what they're good at. Kids probably just go out and do it, you know. So I say, to Oscar, Oscar, you're really good at. Uh, you know, you're really good at getting the ball out of your feet and spotting the pass really early for somebody making a forward run. So when you get in that position, make sure that you maximise it. When you get in that position where you can do it, get your head up and make sure you're always up. Like, oh, yeah. I didn't know I was good at that. That's what I'm, you would say. I'm always saying to my coaches that it's it's our job to just show children what's possible and then it's up to them to find out what they're good at, what works for them and what doesn't. And, you know, a lot of kids think they need to know this turn, that turn, this skill, whatever, because they've seen so much on YouTube and on TV now, which might not have been around when I was a youngster. But it's not ticking them all off that you know them. It's finding out what works for you, what doesn't. And very importantly, creating your your own unique style. And then when you get to 12, 13, you've got your style and then the coaches can work with you sort of at the next phase of your development. Yeah, well, very much so. And I think understanding as well, um, you know, the, the the stuff that you that, that you do with the with the um, the street soccer and all that, right? Is is brilliant and it's great for ball manipulation and it's brilliant for uh, walking on your touch and you know and, and getting moving your feet nice and fast. But not all of them them tricks that you do. Like so, so when I came down to walk with you um, and to kind of see what you what you were doing, um, so all the players can do all the tricks. They can do the step overs. They can move that. Now, but that might not suit them all to do that in a game um, environment you know and that's where the coach comes in okay we're giving you these tools now let's figure out what tools are the right tools for you to use 
when you go into a game situation. Yeah. Well, um, I've been liking it recently to, to look, don't want to get too deep, but learning a language. And what I do is, is help children with the vocabulary. So they learn all the individual words and then putting them into 1v1s and, and match situations is then structuring sentences. And then you're throwing them in as if you would going to visit a country and trying it out for real is then your matches and giving them the blank canvas to paint on. So it's quite structured. And I believe the more vocabulary you have, the more kind of accelerates your learning later on down there. But it, it's not the only way, obviously. Um, yeah, no, no listen, I think that's a really, really good way of looking at it. I really do. Um, what, what we're looking for as coaches um, in, in, in our outcomes, okay? So, so we're looking for outcomes. What's going to be the end product of what we're doing here? Now, there's so many different paths to get to them outcomes. You know, there's so many different ways that you can do it. And you need to take it step by step. But, you know, I think to have a bigger goal um, that you're aiming for is brilliant. And then you take it nice and slowly. You can just fill in little bits and pieces here, like what you say, your blank canvas, you have a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there. And then all of a sudden, then when you've done that, then you find uh, you find then you will you know you will hopefully get to your final goal that you're looking to uh, to, to get to and there are the outcomes you know and and, and that's what and th and that's what I'm looking for as a coach you know and and the outcomes I suppose that, that I'm looking for um, you know with Ireland's 18s or Forest 23s right can we get people into the Force team that's the big outcome you know that's the big goal that we're looking for. Then the next thing is then, if they can't get in the Air Force team, can we give them the tools that they can go and make a career and play at a different club? Now, so that's a big general goal. Okay, so how do you achieve that? You know, you need to break it down then, okay, and break it down every single day, okay? So every single day, uh, the list of things, the, 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 you know, there's a, there's a great list of things that let me just let me just get it up on my phone here because I, I I was on a webinar last week with a, co a coach over in Ireland, uh, Tom O'Connor, his name is, and he's a great bloke. He works in coach education, and I really enjoyed this. Okay, so let me just let me just find um, let me just find where it is because it's quite important. Right. Okay. So here it is. Here. So these are things, right, that you do not have to have any talent at all. So you don't have to have any ability. You don't have to have any talent. And you can have all these things, okay? So being on time, don't be late, okay? There's, there's no excuse. You don't, you don't have to have talent to not be late. Your body language, make sure you've got a good body language about you. Again, don't need talent. Work ethic. Anybody can work hard. Any single person, you know, I can walk out. The, I can walk out the street there and pull somebody in off the street, and he can walk hard. Okay, doing a bit extra. Don't need to have talent to practice, do you? You know, you can practice as long as you want. You can be prepared. So make sure your kit's right. Make sure you've got your shin pads. Make sure you've got the right equipment. Okay. Uh, you can have passion. Passion for the game. Um, you know, you, 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 and again, you don't need to have talent for it. Uh, effort. Again, we go back to walking hard. Uh, we spoke about energy. You know, we, we want players to have energy. Energy is massively important. It's massively important. And then the one then, um, which probably the most important and it encapsulates probably all of these, is attitude. You don't have to have. You don't have to be a talented player. You don't have to have loads of ability to have a good attitude. It doesn't cost you anything. All of them things, you know, other than probably the equipment. 
which does cost you money. And, and you know, when I understand not everybody is in is in a privileged position, and people have to kind of really make the effort on that. And and, and that's great. Um, attitude is, you know, like and again, you know, I've just read out all them things. Top top players have all them things that I've just read out to you. The top players have all them, and that goes alongside their ability. There's been plenty of players that have had good careers doing those things and probably have less ability as well. You know, if you've you've got good ability and you can match it with those things, then you've got a special player. Exactly, exactly. But anybody, and and this is is what I really liked about, um, I'm sitting there and I listen to Tom, and I I, I really like Tom. He's a great bloke. He's been around the game in Ireland uh, loads. And I was listening to the way, and I was thinking, and it really struck a chord in me. I was like, yeah, brilliant. That's, you're, you're dead right you don't have to have ability all you have to have to do is that drive from inside um, and that pride in the work that you're doing and you can have all of them things and the, the, the great thing about that is that it can be transferred into anything else as well in your life so if you can help instill mm-hmm. those qualities in the in the children and the youth players that you've got it can help them in other areas of life as they go forward which I think is well, vital well, listen, we have the stats. Um, I don't know exactly what they are on the amount of players that make it as footballers uh, compared to the amount of players that come in to uh, come up through the academy, come in through the youth team. And the stats are not massively good um, because a, a, a good percentage fall away. Now, what, what we like to do and what I like to do, um, and, and I kind of say, I like to try and help produce good people Um not produce good people. That's probably the wrong way of putting. Sounds it. a bit like help, a factory, doesn't it? I yeah, know what you mean, though. Yeah, help people to you know to, to be to become a little bit better because they're not all going to make it as footballers. They're not. It's just the nature of the game. But whatever role they go into, whatever job they go into, can we have helped them with the discipline? Can we have helped them with the timekeeping? Can we have helped them with the pride and in, in in how things are going? And, and and it's massively important, you know. And, and you know, we speak to um, you know, speak to our players, you know, all the time. And we want them to have humility, you know. We want them to to be to be good mannered, you know. We want them to say please and thank you. I love it when we go away, and, and our Ireland teams are, are fantastic for it. Every time we go away, I guarantee you, when we're leaving the, the, the hotel, when we're leaving the team hotel, um, or we're going home, or we're going to the final game. Somebody from the hotel comes to us and says, your guys were a pleasure. It was a pleasure to have them there. They said, yeah. please, said thank you. They made sure the rooms were tidy. They didn't, uh, they weren't out in the corridor at two o'clock in the morning screaming and shouting, you know, and, and, and having that thing about you, you know, is, is very important. And, and just to also touch on, on a bit that I think runs alongside that is um, your environment that you're walking in. So the facilities that you're walking in, have pride in them. I say to our players all the time about the training ground. If you're walking from uh, the, tra- the changing rooms to your car and you see a piece of litter on the ground, pick it up and put it in the bin. Yeah. Have pride in your environment. This is our walking environment. This is ours. Um, and nobody can come in and nobody can do anything to our environment. But we have to respect our environment and, and try and create that. Now, so that's a physical side of, of your environment. And then you have to work on, on the other aspects of your environment, right? How can we create a good learning environment where people feel safe and feel comfortable in what they're doing? Now, coaches have a massive part to do to that. But players have a massive responsibility to buy into that because they're a massive part of the, of the learning environment as well. Uh, 
don't be afraid to do a little bit extra. Chris Cohn, who I work with, right, he says something to the lads all the time. Don't be afraid to go out on the pitch and spend an extra hour doing whatever it is you need to do to make you better. If somebody else is kind of there and they're going, oh, look at him, he's been busy doing that. That guy is, you know, the person that says that about you, he's not going to come and pay your mortgage fee. He's not going to come and pay for your car fee. He's not going to come and pay your kids' school fees for you. So don't think that you owe him anything. You don't owe him anything. Don't be embarrassed to go out and practice and do a little bit more. I think those things are so key. Like I said, I'm massive into what you can help these kids with in other areas of their life. Um, And I've always said, do more than you get paid for. Always give that little bit extra. And if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be sat here chatting to you because when I was doing my sports... um, therapy stuff you know I worked at Southampton Football Club with the youth team and the reserve team for free and all my mates couldn't believe it so like, oh you know what are you doing we had like a Monday night club where we used to go and play pool and have a few beers and one of the nights with the reserve team was on that night and I had to skip it and I used to get a bit of stick for it but then that gave me enough on my CV and working with players like Gareth Bale and Theo Walcott looking back now I didn't really know then what they were going to go on to but that gave me enough for my CV to get the Charlton job. If I hadn't have done those two years, I wouldn't have got the Charlton job. And, you know, everything sort of fits into place. So always do more than you're getting paid for. Look, extra all the time. Don't be embarrassed about it. Looking at, looking at it this way, right? If I'm a coach, right, and I go out... Uh, just give you a little example. If I'm a coach, right, and, uh, and I do a session, right, then the session's finished, and I've got 20 lads in the session, 15 of them just walk in uh, and they do whatever. They don't pick up any of the, any of the, the cones or the kit or the, the, any of the, the stuff. They just walk in and, and then you've got five there staying there and they're practicing free kicks. They're doing a little bit extra running. They're doing a little bit of finishing. They're doing all this stuff, right? And then they finish that. Then they pick up all the cones. They get in all the gear. They put it away. And I'm as a coach and I'm sat on the side and I'm looking at that. Tell me what you think I'm going to be thinking. Well, they're good lads yeah they're good lads okay so when i come to pick a team okay or when the first team manager rings me and he says who do you think is ready to step up am i kind of going to be looking and saying well i'm not too sure he's still got that about him because he's gone there and, and he's just walked in he hasn't done a little bit extra he hasn't kind of picked anything up so he hasn't had that thing about him and i'm looking oh them five lads look at them five lads they're out every single day they carry all the stuff in yeah, him, 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 and him. And I, Take them. I guess in a way, they're, they're kind of, if you're putting faith in them by putting them up, they're kind of representing your judgment as well, aren't they? And your values and beliefs and your belief in them. So you've got to be sure. Yeah, of course I do. And I want to send good people up there. I want to send good players up there. And I want to, then the manager to ring me then and kind of say, oh, yeah, you sent me up some good lads there. They walked the socks off. They done everything they could. They picked up all the kit at the end. Uh, they asked questions. They tried to learn. They want to get better. They want to improve. That's what I'm looking for as a coach, and it's what all other coaches are looking for as well. So don't care if somebody turns around and says, "Oh, you're being busy." Well, yeah, I'm being busy, but I'll see you when you're um, not able to, um, to to play football, or when nobody wants you anymore. I'll, I'll still be playing because I've given everything that I've got. Yeah, fan, fantastic advice there for all the all the youngsters listening. And talking to youngsters, we've got a question here from young Anthony Bat, um, and he wants to know how did you cope with setbacks before or during your career, 
and what did you do to overcome them? Okay, so listen, one thing that you one thing that you guarantee that is going to happen, not just in football, but in your life, but if we're talking about it in a football context, okay, you're going to get setbacks. It's going to happen. You're going to make mistakes. Every single game that you play, you give away the ball at some point. Every single training session, you give away the ball at some point. That's just the way it is. Uh, so that's a setback in itself. And then you can move on to other setbacks, injuries, which I had plenty of injuries, especially towards the end. And that's probably something that maybe uh, I can talk about. Um, it's so, so difficult when you're injured um, as a footballer. And they were my busy, biggest setbacks. So um, I'm in the gym and I'm looking out the window of the gym and all the players are walking out and they're about to do a session. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I want to be out there and do it. And that's tough to take, okay? I, I would say, I would say to, to dealing with setbacks, don't be afraid to speak to people about them. Um, don't be afraid to speak to thing, people if, 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 if you're finding something a little bit tough. It's not a sign of weakness, you know. It's a sign of strength that you can go to somebody and say, listen, I'm really struggling with this. Um, this isn't quite working for me. How do you think I might be able to, to get better at it, you know? Um and one thing, you know, as we touched on there, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to have setbacks. They're going to happen. So don't dwell on them too much. Um, I think if you dwell on it, it makes it, it makes it seem a lot worse than it is. Just accept the fact that, okay, I'm going to make a mistake. And once you've made a mistake, you cannot change it then. You can't. The, 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 the important thing then is... is Realizing what you can learn from that mistake or that setback, yeah, and, and absolutely, and and then what that does, then Pez, what does that turn that that turns a mistake, then that turns a negative into a positive, because you've learned from it. Now, if you don't learn from it and you keep making the same mistakes, then you've you've, you've got some some issues then. But you need to learn from it. You know, learn from them the, uh, their mistakes and and turn positives into turn negatives into positives and um. And and that's what that is. Uh, be, you know, as I said, you, if, if so, give you an example, right? If you're out on the pitch, right, and you go to pass the ball to somebody, it gets intercepted. Somebody goes up the pitch and they score a goal. Okay. Now, if you if your body language kind of goes like that, and you put your hands on your knees and you're like, oh, I can't believe that's just happened. Um, then what kind of frame of mind are you in the next time you get the ball? Not really a good one. So you kind of go. Sorry, I made a mistake. I apologise for that. I'll make it up. Bang, right? I'm not going to pass that ball there again because I know that that's putting my team at risk and that's putting things at risk. But how can I affect the next thing in a positive way? How can I have... And, and, and physiology and energy is really key to that. You know, instead of kind of having your shoulders slumped, stick your chest down and say, yeah, okay, I made a mistake. But everybody makes mistakes. I'm going to try and rectify it. I'm going to try and put it right. Um so that would be how I kind of, you know, dealt with things. You know, hold up your hands, you accept responsibility. Yeah, I made a mistake. Apologize. Stick your chest out, bang, you go again. Yeah, and I, I think the, the key part of your message there is to accept that they're going to happen and it is an important part to experience these to get to the level that you need to get to. I heard someone, because I've been listening to quite a few podcasts and webinars, someone was saying it's like when you... Um, the people that try and climb Mount Everest, they can only get to a certain point and then they have to acclimatize and then they actually have to go backwards. So they come back down the mountain 
for about a few days and then go up a little bit further. Then you have to go back and up and up. So setbacks are sometimes good to springboard you forward. Was yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's about it's about your reaction. Um, and I don't know, uh, I'm pretty sure you've seen it. I don't know how many people listening may have seen it where you, you see, um, so you see a dot on a page, right? And you say, here's the start, right? And then you see another dot that's quite up there and you see that's success, okay? Now, and then uh, you kind of go to the next bit, right? And so if you were to just draw a line straight from there to there and say that's success, but that's not what it looks like. It doesn't look like that. It's a windy thing. It comes in and out, it dips, it goes back up, it dips again. And on all the top athletes, that's what they do and goes in and out and winds and there's and then you end up as success. It's not a straight line. It doesn't work like that. Life doesn't work like that. And football certainly doesn't work like that. The best players are the ones that are able to deal with their setbacks that in, in a good way. They've got a good they, they, there's a good, positive, strong reaction from them. Well I think um I always say to the kids to put it into context that um statistically Messi gives the ball away more often than most other players in La Liga season on season. But it's because he's prepared to take the risks and try things. Um, and it's because well, he's on the ball. He's on the ball more than anything else. What is that? Because he gets targeted probably more than anybody <laughs> as well. Yeah, but you never you, you never see him um, not shown for the ball ever no. because it's not accepted. It's not accepted at Barcelona. I uh, watched that documentary there. I don't know if you watched it. Uh, yeah, I did, yeah. uh, um, absolutely like phenomenal like brilliant like for mentality well you have to have the ball because if you don't have the ball then you can't be in the Barcelona team you have to be brave you have to give me an angle you have to be prepared to have the ball in tight spaces and a modern day football a top midfielder ever um, has had to always show for the ball and had to always be able to take the ball in tight spaces it's part of playing in midfield you have to be prepared to take the ball with men around you and be able to deal with it. And and um, and Barcelona uh, over the last fifteen years have been the best of that. You see them, yeah, all at the ball. Don't care if there's a man there. We're in midfield. There's going to be men there. That's what happens. It's congested space. Um, and I, and I think then if you take that into a coach, uh, from a coach's perspective, for if you're asking your players to do that then you have to recreate situations and train them where that happens. So when they come game time, uh, you know, look at everybody really, really close to me. You have to try and replicate as much of a game situation as you can in your training sessions. Um, because uh, that's what we're aiming towards, you know. We're, you know, it's all right saying to somebody, oh, be passive there, you don't really need to tackle them. But that's not what that happens in the game. That doesn't happen in a game. Somebody's right there trying to get the ball off you. So you need to um so you need to give them that them tools and training so when they go out they're kind of fully ready for it. Yeah, and, and it's it's a great point. And one I was probably going to bring up later is what I loved about you when you played, you know, from sitting on the bench and watching you and being a part of it, was that you never went hiding. And I know that's mental strength as well and self-belief, but you you always wanted the ball. We could be two or three nil down away from home, Tuesday night, raining, and Reedy's still showing. You could be having a bad game, Reedo, and you were still showing. And I and I often use you in as a, as an example with the kids, actually. That you know, and and from a scouting point of view, I want to see with my scouting role at Saints as well. 
You know, I, I want to see people with that character. We're going to get onto character in a minute, but, you know, you always show him for the ball. And is that mental strength? Is that belief in your own character? Is it a mixture of lots of things? Or yeah, where does that it, come it, it, from, do you think? Both of them things. And what <laughs> because, I, because I, you know, because especially as a player, I always felt that, you know, I could deal with the ball and, and, and I had the ability, the ability to be able to deal with the ball. But there was also another thing that used to say the players that I was playing with sometimes, players who maybe had slightly less ability. I would say to them, listen, if you've got the ball and you're in an uncomfortable situation, just give it to me. It doesn't matter where it is, just give it to me. Because I'd rather take the risk of giving it away than let them do that and it maybe affect them a little bit more than it would have affected me. If I give the ball away... Like what I said there uh, earlier on, say right, sorry, I give the ball away. I'm trying to do better next time. But I'd rather be me than him. And I always had that kind of mentality. I'd rather me give it away than you, um, because I, I, I always thought that I was able to deal with the consequences of that a little bit better. Um, and uh, you know, wanted to. Uh, plus, my role in the team was to get on the ball. Um, yeah. um, now, wherever that may be on the pitch or wherever that may have looked like different depending on where I played and who I played for but my job was to was to get on the ball and was to be creative so if I'm not shown for the ball then I'm not doing my job Yeah. you know same way if I've got somebody playing centre midfield next to me who his real strong attributes are going after the ball and really really winning it back um, if he's not doing that then I'm kind of going to say to him listen you need to do that but one thing that when the player when he done that then I've got to do my role then. I've got to show for the ball. So when he wins it back, I've got to be an option for him. I have to be. Because he's not to create. And that's what makes up a good... That's where you see the best teams, loads of this, the, the positions, they dovetail really, really well. Um, so you'll have a, good, a winger who might kind of come inside and then you'll have a full-back who bombs on. You'll have a winger maybe that um, stays out wide um, and likes to go on the outside and the full-back knows that and he supports really well from behind you'll have a creative midfielder and then you'll have somebody who'll go and get it back. Uh, if it's a striker, um, you'll have a striker who gets hold of the ball and then the players know that so they kind of come in and get around them or a striker who goes long um, who stretches teams so other people can come into space. And there's loads of different aspects of it but everybody has an individual role and they have to... Um, uh, and if you get everybody kind of doing their individual roles really well, then that's when you find things come together um, and then you end up kind of developing them teams. And that's um, that's never changed with football, is it, o over the years? I know football moves on and different ideas and thoughts come in to it tactically and things, but that basic dovetailing and getting the balance yeah. right not changed through the years. Well, no, it never will change. What will change, new formations, well, not new formations, but for different formations become more popular at different times. But people still have to have their roles within them formations. It doesn't matter whether it's a 3-5-2 or a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-4-2, whatever it is, there's still roles that are expected from people in them positions. Um, uh, and jobs uh, are expected of them and certain things are expected uh, that they have to do for this for the um, for the team to be successful. Okay, this question um, we've probably more than touched on, but I'll ask it anyway and see if we can add any more value. But how important is character, not just in the dressing room, but in terms of an individual fulfilling their potential? And is there anything in particular you can do to encourage characters to blossom? Like I say, we've touched on that quite a bit, but. 
Yeah, I, I, I always, I, I always think that, um, I, I always, I, I played under a lot of managers who didn't really like people with character because they felt a little bit intimidated by it. Um, they, 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 they couldn't really handle it. You know, I, I like characters. Um, I'd like to think that I was a character myself and, um, and I, I like people to have that little bit of charisma, you know, I like them to have that little bit, that little bit of steel about them. And, um, I, I don't think I was, I don't, wouldn't say that I was, uh, easy to coach all the time. Definitely not. But I'd like to think that managers kind of looked at me and thought, well, um, I know, I know what I'm going to get from him. You know, I know that he's kind of going to, he's, he's going to want the ball. He's going to have that determination. He's going to have that, um, that bit about him. You know, and 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 I think a lot of managers did say that. Um, but you, you, you listen, characters. It, it's it's very important because if you go, if you walk out on a pitch and there's twenty thousand people there, you know. Like if you kind of look around and you kind of shrink into the environment, then you know you're gonna you're gonna struggle in the game. You know you're gonna, your touch isn't gonna be right. You're not gonna be feeling. If you walk in and say, oh, "Actually, you know what? I like this. I like this. I enjoy this. I enjoy that pressure. I enjoy that pressure of having to perform. And if I don't perform, then somebody is gonna, you know, get on me back or ever like that." And I'm like, "Yeah, no problem. I'll back myself to perform." And that's character. Um, so. You know, it's 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 a difficult one to kind of just you you can't just go and give somebody character. Now you no. can help you can help them develop it by exposing them to situations more often where they're under a little bit of pressure. And the more you're involved, the more you're going through this pressure, and then then you kind of, and it might not work for you the first time if you're under pressure. And then but you learn from it, and then you grow. Then you know you get a little bit better at it. And then the more you do that and you start getting better and better and better and better at it step by step, then that helps you build character as well. And so probably exposing um, players to situations that they're uncomfortable in, um, uh, in in training environments and in game environments as well, um, probably helps them build that character and it helps them get a little bit better. Yeah. I'm going to just skip the next one because what you've just said there, Leads me on to a question a bit further down, um, which I think is relevant now. How would Reedy, the manager, stroke coach, like to have Reedy, the player, in his team? Yeah, I, I would. I would have liked him to have me in, in uh, to have me in the team. Um, I always felt that I contributed. Um, you know, I I, I I do understand that at times I I, I could have <laughs> I could be hard work. A little bit moody, um, and Mister still thinks I am now. <laughs> but um, you know, you talk about I talk about outcomes as a coach. Um, my outcomes as a player were always good. Um, I always got good balls into the box. Um, if I was playing in a wide area, more often than not, I kept the ball. I was always very creative. My assists, um, I had plenty of assists, uh, plenty of goals throughout my career as well. So I always contributed. Um, every club that I was at. Um, I always contributed so um, and international as well so that's you know that's that's what I'm looking for for players and, and different different people get to them different ways you know as we spoke about earlier on when we talked about uh, the tricks so my, um, I wasn't one for step overs I liked the Cruyff I always found the Cruyff got me a little happy yard if I was in the middle of the pitch to be able to pass it um, I had a little kind of movement that I used to do where I kind of go and then 
cutting the outside and, and I had a short back lift so I was able to get balls into the box and kind of before a defender could kind of move his foot to try and block it. So um outcomes um I I, I there was outcomes um, to my game and that's what I'm looking for for my players. Different players in different positions, the outcomes are different. What am I looking for from them? If you know if you go through the positions on the pitch, everything is different for, for all the positions. But um certain things you need to do. If you're a fullback, you need to stop crosses. First thing you need to do, stop crosses. The winger doesn't get crosses into the box. If you're a defender, the ball comes into your box, you need to head it away. Uh, if you're a midfielder, you need to run faster and a little bit more um, than the opposition midfielder. And when you get the ball, you need to keep the ball. Um, wide players, you need to get crosses into the box. Um, fullbacks in an attacking sense, you need to get forward. If modern day football can get forward, he has to be able to get forward in modern football. And a striker, first of all, you're going to be judged on your goals. And then you're going to be judged on get hold of the ball. If you do them things, then you've got the start of being a good centre forward. You know, you can add things on you can add things onto it after out of possession. You know, you need to, you know, you need to have that um that hard work. You have to have that that energy about you because I want my teams to press. You know, we want to press the ball. Striker, you've got to go and close down. You've got to work hard. You have to work hard in modern day football. You can't stroll around the place anymore. The play, the play is too quick. The players are too strong. The players are too fit. You can't just stroll around the pitch anymore. It doesn't work like that. Uh, you have to, every single player on the pitch, um, in training and in games and everything, they have to work hard. Hard work and energy is a prerequisite now. Whether people like it or whether they don't, which I think most people do, you have to have it. Yeah, and um, you've kind of talked again about things that are uh, the mainstays of football, however it changes and develops, there are some basics that will always be the same. And I, I'm, I know I, I kind of encourage the flair side of the game and I know I hate the term flicks and tricks and things, but I'm also massive on the best players in the world and not even the best players, but they do the basics really, really well. So that, you know, the basic pass, the basic close down, the basic, I'm a fullback and winger's not going to get the cross in or, you know, those basic fundamentals have to be done consistently well. And then the other little moments of magic you might have can come on that, from that baseline, if that makes sense. That yeah, yeah, and then it gives you a springboard. It gives you that, as you say, that base. I, so, you know, I don't know when I came down, right, and I coached, uh, coached some of your kids and I, I do a couple of passing drills that are very, very simple. One's just, a, it's just a square, 10 by 10 um, square. Um, and it's uh, just different movements. There's a player on each, on each cone, you put a cone in the four corners, player in each cone, and passing, receiving, passing, receiving. Now, it's very, very simple drill. Really, really simple drill. And players sometimes go to you when I walk with them, uh, sometimes kind of look and think, and you can see them looking, thinking, well, this is a bit easy, isn't it? Okay, well, show me how good you are. This is easy. If, if you think this is easy, show me that you're the best passer of this ball at this distance. But they're them 10-yard passes that keep the play going, that keep the play moving. And you, it's amazing how many times you find because that people are, uh, balls going off here, balls coming out, balls hitting the cone, balls going off everywhere. And not because the players can't do it, but because their mentality is not right to do it. They think, oh, well, this is too easy. Okay, no problem. Just show me that it's too easy. Show me by you being so good at it. Show me that it's so easy. And players sometimes find that difficult. 
But that's what it's all about. The consistency, isn't it? The, you know, it, it, the higher up the levels you go, the more consistent those basics have to be. I mean, I say to my kids, great, you can do a flip-flap, you can do a chop, reverse chop, you can do a rainbow flip, but if you can't pass the ball from here to there over 10 yards, nine, 10 times out of 10, then you're only going to get to a certain level. So you have to keep practicing those basics, sometimes more than the other stuff that you might enjoy. Yeah, because you do it on the pitch more than you do them yeah. on the How many times do you pass the ball 10 yards? You pass the ball 10 yards uh, tons of times if you're a centre midfielder. Tons yeah. of times. How many times do you do a rainbow flick if you're a centre midfielder? You never do a rainbow flick. Exactly. So don't bother practicing rainbow flicks. Now, for younger players, now I'm talking about in the professional thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not talking... I'm not talking about younger players not having fun and doing stuff like that. I, I, I'm all for that. I want players to enjoy it and say to Oscar all the time, how many keepy-ups do you do? How many things can you do? Because you have to, football is fun as well. I'm talking about when we're getting to the nitty-gritty of it. Centre midfield is bread and butter, is, uh, is passing the ball 10 yards, is getting up and down and winning the ball back. If you've got a centre midfielder who can do all them things, he's worth his weight in gold. So... That's this is where the problem happens, Reedy, with what I do, is that a lot of people judge the kids as being mini-adults. So even from seven, eights, nines, tens, they'll be like, well, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do this because they won't do that in a game. You're like, yeah, but they're children yeah. and they're building their confidence and they're getting a feel for the ball and falling in love with the game and all of that. Mm-hmm. It, and, and they're having fun. And they're having fun, Perry. They're having fun, yeah. And, and that's what a seven-year-old is supposed to do. A yeah. seven-year-old supposed to have fun playing football yeah um, if he's not having fun playing football then there's something wrong now fun for a seven year old kid or an eight year old kid uh, isn't doing loads of doggies all the time and isn't um, isn't isn't making sure that every single pass is bang drilled in perfectly like like what you're looking for from a, a, a top um, a, a top midfielder at the professional end of the game um, a seven-year-old wants to try things. He wants to come up with new things. He wants to find out. He wants to express himself um, a lot more. And he well, wants um, to fun. What really worries me about youth football now um, in general is this trend for these big centres to, to be starting up. Um, that They're grassroots, but they're still looking to encourage the best players in the area to come. And they're trying to be like mini adults and mini academies and it all looks very good and the drills are all set up. And I mean, I'm a great believer in setting up environments and, and sessions where kids make loads of mistakes because that's accelerating the learning process. But these places are, are all about recruitment, even at 9, 10, 11 and 12, putting them together. Um, and, and like I say, being like mini academies and, and mini adults and I think kids are losing this. You know, it's becoming very overcoached, and I think it's a it's a real problem. They're not having as yeah. much fun and trying. Yeah, and and, and you, you know what I think as well, right? I think their coaches in the professional game and in days that you're talking about, they forget that anybody can play football. Football isn't just for people who are good at football. Yeah, football. Uh, I, I, I don't. Age, but football is for everyone. So when we were younger and we went up the park, uh, or we went there on the, or we went to play wherever with our mates, um, there was always some who would, some who were okay, some who went good. But probably the one who wasn't so good, probably more enjoying the out than the anybody. 
anybody can play football and that's what it's all about and uh, you know I say that all the time and um, Oscar will probably be playing with somebody sometime in a park or doing whatever and he'd be like he's not very good is he and I'm like yeah, that's the matter. I says, look, he's loving it. He's loving it. So, well, that that kid as much, if not more, football than my son. Everybody has the right to play football. It's brilliant. So much enjoyment. So, football is just for people good at football. It's not. Cool. You're breaking up a little bit there. So, I hope it sorts itself out. It's the difference with. Uh doing these things via Zoom and live. But um, I just want to touch on that. Another one from me is um, you talk about outcomes a lot. Now, as your roles with Nottingham Forest and obviously the, the Irish under-23s, is it? I think it's the under-23s. Um, the Forest of the Ireland's a... That's it. So your outcome, as you've touched on, is to produce players for the first team and if you can't produce players for the first team someone else's first team but is there you know a moral responsibility to prepare them for other different lives if they're going out to get jobs um you know to like you said to be to be good people i had this big twitter debate with somebody who's turned into a bit of an argument because they were saying about academies being pretty much not very good places and i'm like well it depends what your outcome is if your outcome is you want your child to have good experiences and become a good person and prepare them for life and a job, then it's very different to having an outcome of being a first-team player. You know, it's that that shift. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about outcomes and how much thought goes into that. Yeah, no, pretty much so. And and, and the, the real responsibility when you're working with young players, and, and, and I touched on it a little earlier on, you know, working with some... With, with not all these players are going to the first team because all their players that are in the 23s and with the under 18s they all can't if possible um, and there's that quite a low percentage that, that does um, so you have to give them tools that wherever it is they go whether they go to work in an office whether they go to work in a bank whether they go to wherever it is they go to work and I think the best tool you can that you can give them um, is probably discipline and uh, um, and things that you can So be in time. It, like if you if if you constantly turn up your job in the bank and uh, late, and you you you're not going to be you're not going to be in the job very long. You know. So if you can install them things early on, um, have that humility spoke are massively important. So people like you, so you can get on in life. Um, you know, have their manners and. You know, all, all, I think these things are very, very important, and the, and the key, the key factors in people being successful, kind of over a over a, a kind of a long period of time, um, in whatever role it is. And, and and I think we're trying to give them that. They're the things that we, you know, that we're trying to, that we are trying to give them. So discipline, self-discipline. Um, you know, I think and, the, the, and, the problem is, Rido. It's um. It's really difficult to judge, whereas it's black and white when it comes to how many of you got into the first team. That's that's a stat. But the other bits that go with it, how you've helped them be better people and better characters, you can't judge. So people yeah. latch on to the, well, you've only produced this amount of people and that, and you've had to release all these people, and you've only given six scholarships this year, and think of all those broken hearts and things. You think, well, yeah, but 
you could judge it the other way. You know, ask them, have they had a good experience? Have they played in tournaments abroad? Have they made mm. friends for life? You know, have they helped them get a job? Not everybody will um, have a, a good experience of a, of a Pez. They, they, they just won't. And listen, one thing that I will say, we're, talk, we're talking about the professional end of the game here, the elite end of the game. Nice about it's not nice, you know what I mean? Isn't it like, like we have to make tough decisions? Um, players release that you, you think I'd love to give him another year, um, and see how he develops, but you can't. Tough decisions have to be made, it's cutthroat business. Um, you, you know, if you know, if, if, if it was my money and I had billions of it, I'd say, Oh, yeah, yeah, well, I'm gonna keep him on. Yeah, great, because look, he's a great lad. He turns up every day, he works hard, he does everything I asked him. Um, so I'd love to keep him on. You can't do that. It's 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 a tough environment. It's a harsh environment. Tough decisions have to be made. And when them tough decisions are made, it's tough on these young players. It's hard for them to accept and it's difficult for them to deal with. But it's, it's the way it is, you know, and... Do you wish that everybody could give everybody a contract? Of course you wish you could give everybody a contract. But it doesn't work. So um, we just have to go to a place where, you know, where we give them their mother tools. So, you know, they have that discipline when, when they go into, into a different club and players say, oh, we be doing a really good thing with Ireland. They must be doing a really good thing for us because when a player walks into a different club, he's got all them really good traits about him. Um, that we look for um, and you hope that they get on the ones who go out of the game um, and they go into a different uh, a different walk of life whatever that may be um, you would like to think that the manager of the place wherever they go in kind of says well yeah you know what he's got some really good traits about him. he's got some you know he's got some really good things that he's got on he's, he's on time he's polite he's mannerly he walks hard he's got that ethic all them things on, on Tom O'Connor's sheet as well you know you can wait for walk and you have a bit of energy you know because everybody wants people to bring energy and to energise their um, to energise their, their their company or to energise their club or energise their team and the best way to do that is people bringing that energy so instead of going in and being like oh, good morning say, morning how are you you okay you good because what happens then that rubs off on someone else then he's like oh yeah yeah I'm good yeah how are you are you okay and then all of a sudden instead of it being like a Daryl conversation all of a sudden everybody's alert everybody's bright we're on it yeah great let's go out and train now bang you go out and train training through the roof great everybody's full of energy now that's an ideal situation and that's what you want to happen and it doesn't always happen but that's where players take responsibility for their energy levels and what they're bringing to the party that's where that becomes um, that that's where it becomes vitally, vitally important. Because, yeah. you know, we, can have, we can have energy as coaches, but um, we need players to have it as well. Absolutely. And it's the those things you talk about, the little 1% so when you put together make up a lot. And then as a collective, you know, that's when special things can happen for everybody. Uh, really, I'm going um, to stop it there. I know we've got loads more to get through, but the, um, the reception's cutting up a little bit. And, uh, and I've got a live coaching session to do uh, in about five minutes. So I don't know if we can maybe put this one out as part one and then we'll do part two again a little later in the week, if you, if you wouldn't mind doing yeah. that. No, 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 absolutely perfect. Not a problem at all. I'd love that because there's still, there's still plenty that we need to kind of get through. Um, so do this as part one. 
and bang we'll whack it out party there later on the week uh, yeah I really appreciate that because there's so many kids might be disappointed especially as there were two brothers and we've uh, asked one of the brothers questions and not the other one so uh, listen don't, <laughs> don't, 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 I'll answer I'll answer every single question okay even if it takes us two days I'll answer every All single right. question no not a problem as always, mate, you're an absolute star and it's been a real pleasure and I'll be buzzing and looking forward to, uh, to part two coming up soon. So yeah. thanks again, uh, mate. Uh, hope the session goes well, mate. Cheers, buddy. Take care. Cheers, buddy. Yeah, bye-bye. <laughs>